Hi, I'm Elise. I'm Matt, and welcome to Pod Wraiths, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. If this is your first time joining us, we're two friends watching Star Trek Deep Space Nine and sharing both our deep and irreverent thoughts on our favorite Star Trek series. This week, we're talking about Season 2, Episode 23, Crossover. Teleplay by Peter Allen Fields and Michael Piller and directed by David Livingston. This episode aired on May 15th, 1994. This week on Deep Space Nine, an accident inside the wormhole sends Kieran Bashir into the Mirror Universe, where Klingons, Cardassians, and Bajorans rule over human slaves. This week we're joined by friend of the pod and previous guest, Lazi. Welcome, Lazi. Hello, guys. We're going to have fun. It's a good episode, guys. I'm very excited. Hailing us? (laughs) This episode was hailing us, I think. But we don't get uh, Sid doing weird voices this time. It's it's everyone else gets to have fun and play around with with being different versions of their character. He didn't have a mirror version. Maybe he will in the future. Maybe. It was kind of... um fun to see like who we saw and who we didn't see i guess <laughs> i'd been waiting for this well yeah because we didn't see a mirror dax that dax's no. only like appearance in the episode was like right at the end i know right? when i was watching it earlier in the week i was like where's my girl dax and then i was like oh she got her five seconds in the end or was it even five seconds i don't know i'd been waiting i for guess the trill sorry go ahead you're fine your thing was relevant i was changing the subject yeah, I, I was just gonna say that I, I guess they didn't know where to fit the trill in in the um, right. Terran enslavement, um, Cardassian Klingon alliance I sort feel of like plot. To, so to even like... it up, they should just throw him in with the Terrans. Kind of makes sense. Um, no spoilers. Mostly, I mean, it's like face ridges versus not face ridges. <laughs> Got to. Oh, this is a. <laughs> this is. A... Entire bigotry based on noses. Yes. I see. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Welcome to the race science yes. portion of our podcast. <laughs> so I guess we'll start with with you, Elise. What were some of your initial thoughts on this episode? And we'll and we'll start with the uh, question we often start with: Did you or did you not remember this episode? Um, I didn't specifically remember that what happened in this episode. I just remembered that this episode existed and that it was su- supposedly horny. I had vaguely remembered that. Yeah, I think it's medium I, medium horny, isn't it? Yeah. It, I, I, I definitely I think, was expecting a little bit level, level more horny. Yeah, I, I agree. I was too. And like, I've been noodling that. I've been like reflecting on that. And with it being as, well, restrained from like what I was expecting going back into the three watch, I definitely think my perception of some of the potentially problematic horniness, which we will get into in our discussion of this episode was kind of clouded and framed by future mirror universe stories that I think probably lean into that a lot more than this episode did. So that was kind of a, an interesting experience in going back and just looking at this episode in the context of just this episode yeah, slash the second Mirror Universe episode ever. So you probably, yeah. right? your brain was like, not lumping them together, but like putting your thoughts about Lumping them, them together. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think 
we also have to remember that this was a Mirror Universe episode in 1994 on uh, on network television in ways that, for example, modern disco Mirror Universes are very different and uh, operating right. a very different TV landscape. So I think, uh, and I've, I I'll touch on this later as well, I think this is a really interesting time for Deep Space Nine in terms of how it's starting to become itself uh, and not become not be just the same standard Star Trek show. Well, I mean, it was always a bit different, but um, th- this whole run of episodes from the Maquis, from the Wire, um, and and this one as well, where you're starting to get serialized storytelling, you're starting to get real questioning of um, whether the Federation is all righteous and holy. You know everything that Gene Roddenberry wouldn't want you to question. You get uh, <laughs> you get uh, discussions of. Or, or, or maybe not discussions, but you start getting inspections of sexuality, uh, if not sex. So you you know there's sex in original Star Trek, obviously, but it's all Kirk based pretty much. Um, and now you're starting to get a, an exploration of that, and I think it is the writers, right? The writers probably a little bit being trusted, and also a little bit being ignored because they're setting up Vo- Voyager, and I think. Uh, probably the higher ups are focused on how do you set up Voyager rather than what are these guys <laughs> in the dark in the dank space station setting up. <laughs> yeah, that that um, I definitely see, especially with this with this episode basically being a sequel to a TOS episode, and I'll get we'll get into that in a little bit. But like serialized, but not like we're not there yet. But it, you know, we're getting close. And I was going to say that, like, like a few episodes ago, we, we covered Blood Oath, which also directly referenced the original series by having the th- three Klingons mm-hmm. from the original series come back. So it's like even like they're exploring with um, using the lore and the mythos and, you know, potentially more more references to things that came before, which they had avoided before, just the nature of, of syndicated television, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think it, it's... It's really interesting, um, and I, I'll, I, I've got thoughts on that for most Star Trek thing later. <laughs> <laughs> um, before I get into my the Mirror Universe, uh, I do want to say it was kind of fun to watch Nana and Siddig working together in this episode because, like, she can't, she still can't really stand him, and just knowing the actors like eventually get together, which is not something that I don't know, we don't. We haven't really talked much. I don't know if we've ever mentioned that, but they like eventually have a kid together. So it was yeah. kind of really fun to just watch them like play act, like act together before they were an item. <laughs> I think this is like the, like... is this like the third or fourth time we've had an opening with just the two of them? Uh, and he's always basically being annoyed, <laughs> absolutely yeah. getting on her nerves. But I, I was thinking about this. I feel like they are the the Chandler and Rachel of uh, Deep Space Nine in that I don't ever remember any plots with Chandler and Rachel actually together. Right. Oh. They, 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 they sort of, there's lots of bouncing off, but like I don't feel like there's a lot of meaty stuff with the two of them. Yeah. There's a lot of sort of mirror stuff and other things, but... Um, Right. They never. They never feel like they, you know, not like you've got. You've obviously got Cisco with basically everyone, but particularly with yeah. Dax and with Kira, you've got O'Brien and Bashir. You've got Bashir and, and Dax to an extent. You've got Kira and Odo. You've got Kira and Dax. 
Um, and I just, these two sort of never seem to, to have true. that many plots together. Now I'm thinking about what Chandler and Rachel would even like have to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like Monica, the, the, I, Monica, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like the, the whole, like, if, if we weren't, if, if I wasn't married to your friend, would we even be friends sort of situation? Yeah, for sure. Um, I know this would have been a completely different show, obviously, but it would have been interesting to see like them setting up the hospital or the medical facility and to see new Bajor. I don't even remember if that is something that we ever see, to be honest, or if that was just something mentioned in this episode as a reason to put them in a runabout together. Yeah. Yeah, um, I don't I don't know. I maybe I don't know. It feels like the sort of thing that gets blown up off screen in a <laughs> in a future right. episode or something. <clears throat> and I just love that Kira thinks that he's hitting on her and he was like, Oh, I didn't mean it that way, but if you're interested <laughs> basically. I like yeah. I, I felt like the way she said that, because she was talk she talks about Dax, right? She says you should you should you try harder with Dax. But um or something like that. She um, says you should stick to Dax. Stick to Dax, right. But I think like a combination of that and then the other episode you had her sort of uh commenting on Dax um uh Dax's relationship with a what a transparent brain person or something. Yes. Um yeah, I don't know. I got a little bit like she's not she doesn't care about Julian, she's actually more interested in Dax. <laughs> Which, you know, fair enough. Right. Maybe. Well, it's funny to me because she says it like she and Dax don't talk about it because if she talked about it with Dax, she would know that Dax was not interested. Yeah. So it makes it's like still like the beginning of their relationship and their friendship. Dax and um, Kira, I mean. Yeah, that's good. Had had um, any of you watched the TOS episode Mirror Mirror recently? I actually watched it last month. I haven't. I'm not, not sure recently. I've ever fully watched that episode because I haven't mm -hmm. watched that much TOS. I've watched all the movies and I've watched right. some episodes, but never. I've never gone through it, um, and I'm not sure I've watched. All I know is the beards, the uh, the whole <laughs> sort of South Park right. community riff on the beards. <laughs> Matt, have you watched it recently? Not recently. No. Is it good? I, I think so. I mean, for a TOS episode. Yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. Um, yeah, no, that's exactly what I mean. For a TOS, I think. And that's good. one of the things that, like, I kind of like about the idea of, like, revisiting the Mirror Universe kind of through the the DS, DS9 lens. Because, like, when Intendant Kira is talking to Major Kira about basically previously on Star Trek, the yes. original series, here's what happened. <laughs> um, catching, catching her up on like 80 some years or 90 some years of history. Um, the TOS episode really like ends with basically this whole idea of like history through the lens of great man theory. Mm. And Kirk from our universe convinces mirror Spock that like, you know, the empire is dying, you know, you can change, you can like, you know, be this great person and, and implement all these changes and reforms and kind of save the society that 
you know you claim to love and 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 make it better and then kira's like yeah so he did that and then didn't realize that the Cardassians and Klingons were were out there, and the Empire doesn't, the Terran Empire doesn't exist anymore. And fun fact, actually, there are slaves now. It's just like <laughs> that, I love, I yeah, love that. Fact. Right, that is so DS nine, and it's so yeah. so that you know, next gen would never have questioned Kirk's legacy like that. Would never have said actually he, you know, with all the best intentions for things he yeah. did did cause huge problems for a lot of people they'd have You're, just I, up I agree with, with you completely um yeah. i feel like tng would not have done that um it's fun to think about it's it's fun to think about because it's like some people care so much about like obviously the mirror universe is the mirror universe but so many people there's always so many discussions about what's actually trek and what's not and like what is canon which is something that we don't give a shit about for the most part on this pod we are not anal about it but like it just is so much fun to me that deep space nine was like oh we're gonna change what happened like i i love that just to add to what you're saying it's i think it's really interesting for mirror universe versus alternate universe or alternate timelines so the mirror universe is always there and kind of always corrupt whatever happens Mm -hmm. but it it's a it is a mirror it's not like an alternate timeline um, or like a multiverse or whatever or a multiverse thing it's it is actually you know I know in disco they start talking about it coming closer and going further apart and stuff, but it is really like, it's always holding up a dark mirror. Whatever happens is a sort of a bad thing on that side. Right. And like, like a alternate would be like back to the future part two or something like that, where it's like someone made a decision to change something and then some, you know, completely the future happens. Or oh, Kel- oh, the Kelvin timeline, right? Yeah, or like all good things, or yeah. Or, or yeah. yeah, any Q shenanigans, or the yeah. so in current Picard, you've got a bit of that, um, which I'm enjoying a lot more than season one, I will, I will say. Yeah, um, I am as well. And, um, uh, uh, but, but like the Kelvin timeline, uh, which right. leads to, you know, why Star Trek Into Darkness is the perfect movie. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget to edit that out later. <laughs> my tease but yeah i i I think it's really i do think it's interesting i I do think how it's not an alternate timeline it is a mirror timeline and i don't know if that's a meaningful definition but it feels so so i should repeat it (laughs) yeah i feel like and i mean not to get too far in the waters but let me let me let me get in the waters at the same time like it's it's yeah it's it's very much like um you could almost like think of it as like and like Star Trek's not super consistent on like what's an alternate timeline versus like what what is like an alternate kind of, you know, universe and and whatever. But like I always think about the TNG episode parallels, which is basically like string theory where there's all like the different like versions of whether Worf won this tournament or who died here and like that type of stuff. So like, I think, think of it like it's like a Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, but he's evil. So, Spider- <laughs> so Spider-Man 3 then. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Or like, I don't know if like, and I mean, I hate using like Marvel as a reference, but I mean, that seems to be the one doing it's it. A, but it's, it's like, a yeah, um, universal translator. Yeah, it's like evil Doctor Strange and like that what if cartoon, right? Who may or may not be in the new Doctor Strange movie based on on the trailer, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Anyway. That, I mean, I could div- I could diverge on uh, parallel universe theory for another two hours or so, but I think we should probably, <laughs> I don't know, maybe get to the <laughs> beyond the cold open of the episode. Right. Matt, did you have any initial thoughts before we get into the mirror universe peoples? Yeah, I just think that like it was really, um, it was really fun when the runabout first crosses over. They do some different things and different like angles and like tricks of like the camera that really give you this kind of like upside down, topsy turvy through the looking glass sort of right. feel, which like I appreciated. Where it's like we're not in Kansas anymore. Yeah. And yeah, it was just nice to kind of go back to when the mirror universe was young. Um, <laughs> and this was like the second episode. <laughs> I don't think it's a spoiler to say through the looking glass. Isn't that the name of, like, one of the Mirror Universe episodes? Uh, I think so. It's probably, like, Through a Mirror Darkly or something as well. They do love their <laughs> yeah, literary... Yeah, that. those are the Enterprise ones. Yeah, yeah so the, there's, like, 16... I looked this up briefly before oh, okay. recording. There's, like, 16 episodes of Star Trek over the, like... I don't know, at least Dave, your spreadsheet in front of you, like, <laughs> 800 and some episodes of Star Trek. The 627 that, um, hours of Star Trek. Star Trek, yeah, that it that exists. That is a memorized um, number at this point. It'll change as soon so, as the next episode so of Picard changes uh, airs. So, well, we got Strange New World to sort of double up as well. Uh, so. Yes, and the rest of Prodigy. <clears throat> um, and so there, there are other there are other episodes that like reference the mirror universe and like have different characters from it and things like that but there are like 16 episodes of star trek that take place in the mirror universe and this is only the second one so it was kind of nice to like this was when there was just there was just one and then they made this one and i do feel like this is the one that again with with deep space nine sort of changing things for trek this is the one that sets it out like this is the one that takes it from a one-off idea to now let's start putting some structure in this as right. it as it rolls out over the next. Uh, uh, there are yeah spoilers. There are more Deep Space Nine Mirror Universe episodes, but um, yes. But I also agree about the camera angles. I noted that as well. Like they're very low angles in the camera mm-hmm. uh, in the shuttle once they cross over, and it is is notably disorienting, and uh, so a clear yeah. clear choice, and I, I really like it. So, so we should uh, let's get into the what this mirror universe looks like. Um, we talked a little bit about how um, our Kirk influenced mirror Spock and to be like a little bit more uh, peaceful and, and such. So, uh, so this alliance that we meet the Bajoran Cardassian and <clears throat> um, Klingon Alliance, um, they took over for the, t- you know, they, took over the Terrans because they basically were like peace we don't need our military budget anymore um (laughs) so this episode basically starts with the wormhole shenanigans that you guys were both describing and when they get through the wormhole deep space nine is not where it should be and they find the station circling um bajor which is weird and i like i like the this opening scene because 
the the first scene of someone just like being in shock and not understanding like what's going on and these these two Klingons come to try to like hijack their runabout or and capture them and then they see Kira and they're like immediately scared and apologize and like you don't know what's going on. I mean, we knew what's going on because we've seen this, but I just really liked that like first bit. I just thought that was a fun I was I thought it was going to cut to the theme break there. And then obviously we have Intendant Kira popping up and I was like, of course this makes way more sense for the theme break to have that, you know, shot of the two Kiras looking at each other. I just, I really loved it. It's a great shot. I'm calling her Ikira, by the way, just because otherwise we're going to say (laughs) Intendant 5000. Yeah, all right. That's that's fair. Too many syllables. (laughs) Uh, I I wonder how much time we'll save. Um... <laughs> oh yeah, because there's no way that we'd run long on any time I'd come on and spoil things <laughs> and talking forever. Uh, so our our mirror universe cast of characters we have, I guess, Aikira is in charge of Tarek Noor. Um, and it is funny to me that because the Cardassians are in the Alliance, they have you know. Deep Space Nine never became Deep Space Nine, and their um, Tarek Noor, it always stayed that. I think it's so interesting how the entire episode, this Kira just keeps saying how she hates violence. Everything she does supports violence. I mean, there are literal slaves. Um, I think her, it's like someone who is like, I don't, you know. No, I agree. She, she... It's like a... she's like pretending to she's one thing but not like looking at in herself i feel like she thinks that she feels a certain way but is not seeing how her actions like are the opposite i'm not sure i i think she does know it. i think she deliberately uh, is saying she doesn't want violence uh when she knows she will resort to it um because she's trying to play a character to play a role to try and cast herself as kind and caring and not like those whatever Klingons or or Cardassians I don't know that you're right like maybe she's kidding herself but I don't know I think she's kidding herself a little bit because the change in the way she was acting was towards the end when she like was full like fashy was like so different and it did feel in the moment it felt like a quick thing. Like it didn't feel like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm explaining this, but I felt like she was kidding herself a little bit. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Uh, it's it's not clear. Is it? Uh, maybe I don't, it comes out I don't know that it's really that important. I just, no. it was just something I thought. There's like an interesting, like level of, 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 of psychoanalysis you can do there. Cause it's like, it's like, is she, does she want to believe she's better than she is? Is she just that, that delusional? I think it's just like, is it just like how like irrational and like temperamental she kind of like, you know, can be. And right. like, there obviously there's like love, like various levels of like narcissism that are coming from Ikira's fatuation with like prime Kira. Right. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. She is also, let's be clear. Uh, a direct inspiration for Vampire Willow. Like, this is Vampire Willow <laughs> five years early. Uh, I cannot believe that Joss and whoever else wrote that 
did, hadn't seen this episode and the subsequent ones. It feels it feels really blatant to me. Oh, that's really funny. You you should find. I'm giving you homework to like find scenes yeah. of that to send me. <laughs> <laughs> but the, so but particularly ha- particularly the sort of oh, we haven't really gone into it yet. But like the the sexuality twists and the the right. evil version and the like vamping up and everything compared to our straight laced version. Right. That's fu- that sounds fun. We have Mir Garrick and Garrick and Kira clearly don't like each other. I can't tell if he's like her main enforcer interrogator person or if there's just like a high powered like Cardassian um Bajoran and Klingon on that are like kind of running the station. I mean obviously yeah. Kira is in charge but it was kind of hard to tell, like, what's he like, I, the I, vice I, president I, or something? Yeah, <laughs> I think he's the, the most senior Cardassian, and I assume there are fewer Klingons there because it's obviously a lot closer to Cardassia than it is to, right, right, right. to, to Kronos. But, um, uh, yeah, I love, I love the way that here he's very... You know, he has schemes, but they're really obvious. He um, right. has, unlike Argaric, who's all subtlety and oh my gosh, yes. uh, and um, manipulation and uh, double speak. This guy is just like straightforward, very clear, yeah. straight down the line. No, yeah, when he's no... go go yeah, when he when he's telling our Kira like his plans to like oust Intendant Kira. He's like, okay, so. We're going to kidnap her. We'll take care of her. And then we'll put you in her place. And then you can say you're going on like a paw journey, like a sabbatical. And then he's like, and then I'll become intended. And it's like the most basic ass fucking plan I ever heard of. And it's just so funny. Like Argaric would have something way more creative planned than that. Yeah, I mean, Argaric wouldn't even admit that he's called Garrick, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> and he would also be spending a lot more time with Julian. So, yes, that is fair. <laughs> I thought it was interesting too that in the Mirror Universe, like the Bajoran occupation occurred, but it was the Terran Empire yeah. occupying Bajor. So, like, clearly, like. Now Bajor's a member of, of the Alliance, right. like how Prime Bajor might be part of the Federation one day. And just, yeah, it just was like really interesting. And like in some ways, I think Mirror Universe Bajor, use of Bajor, of Terran slave labor and your processing aside, which is a big aside, which <laughs> probably should have phrased it differently. But like Bajor as like a political force, as a political actor is doing better sensibly than the Bajor in in Kira's in our Kira's in the the prime timeline. Like so it's like the Cardassian Alliance mm. Cardassian Klingon Alliance has been better for Bajor despite it being, you know, as as morally reprehensible as the Terran Empire was before Spock's reforms, right? Like it's just interesting. Like I want like so I guess I'm what I'm leading up to is when Kira says to I, Kira, like, you have things to teach me? Is she j- is Kira just blowing smoke up the attendant's butt? Or, like, is there a part of Kira that, like, longs for Bajor to be this much of a galactic player? I had a I hard time differentiating, actually. 
I don't think at that point she realizes the how broken the mirror universe is. I think so. I think she's being genuine. Right. I think she sees Bajor in a powerful position, a more powerful position than in Prime. Yeah. I agree. Did she um, know about the slaves yet at that point? Because I feel like as soon as she saw that, she would be like, "Okay, never mind." I don't think so. I love. I love that she doesn't know who Kirk is as well. Again, oh yeah, that was so brilliant. Funny. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have some notes on that later. <laughs> you know, Star Lord. Who? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. Uh, um, basically, Intendant Kira was like Kirk, and our Kira was like Mariah Carey. I don't know her. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we ha- so we have a little glimpse of Mirror Odo, who's power hungry and keeps slapping Julian. <laughs> I didn't really have much else to say about Odo. He although... has rules of obedience. That's the, yeah. the thing about Mirror Odo. Yeah. He doesn't no rules of acquisition here. Yeah, rules of obedience. I feel like I definitely picked up on that the first time I watched it, and then forgot to write it down in my notes. <laughs> I, I as soon as he said rule of obedience number fourteen, I just burst out laughing. It was great. Yeah, it was really funny. I completely forgot about that. And then we have Mirror O'Brien, who is a slave and works as a mechanic. Um, and this might be an overshare, but like the way that Julian hypes up Mirror O'Brien and tells him like what his life could be like or what it's like in our universe, explaining his role in Deep Space Nine really made me think about something my former therapist said to me which was just it seems like you need a little encouragement and I feel like <laughs> that is how O'Brien was in this episode he needed a little encouragement to like remind him that things could be better or he could try to make things better and it, that kind of warmed my heart a little bit I okay now we're going off on a on a tangent Miro O'Brien is the same as our O'Brien. Like, he's not... Like, whilst all of the other characters are completely different in personality and in action, basically, Miro O'Brien is the same. He just, right. as you say, he needs a little encouragement. He needs mm-hmm. uh, a better better place to be. So, is O'Brien... Needs more opportunities, ne- yeah. Is O'Brien a Nexus being, a single point cross-universe around which all universes <laughs> rotate? Because actually he's always the same regardless, whereas other other characters vary and differentiate depending on their their uh their whether they're mirror or not. The emoji with the head exploding is me right now. <laughs> the most important man in Starfleet. Yep. He is. And a um, union man. Yeah. He's a union man. He's a union yes. <laughs> he's a unity man. <laughs> yes, and I should say for I know some people haven't seen um, Lower Decks, but there's a really funny um, blip at the end of one of those episodes where they show a school teaching about Miles O'Brien, and there's like a statue of him, and I have that at my as my desktop uh, background on my computer, (laughs) so I love it. It's awesome. Mirror Cisco, on the other hand, is a duty collector, (laughs) basically. yeah, he like takes money uh, from ships that are trying to get through the area for the intendant. Privateer. Yeah, pirate. totally. Yeah. Um, I love his. I love Avery Brooks's performance in this role. He does squirrely really well, which is so. Which I think I noticed specifically because it's so different than our Cisco. Because 
even when he's not sure of what to do, Cisco operates in a very stable manner for the most part. So it's just funny to see him like a squirrely guy who's like kind of bouncing around. It was almost like he was dancing through the scenes, actually. He's brilliant. He absolutely owns the room when he comes in. Um, yeah, and you're right. He like really he he's. You know, we we see R. Cisco be stoic. We see him be angry. We see him be, you know, righteous. Um, but yeah, he this is a completely different Cisco. He has like a tick or a twitch when he gets summoned by um, Ikira. Um, yeah. And and you can you know it, it's maybe a little overplayed, but it it is. It's a really nice. I, I, I mean, every time I see him on the show, he's just. Particularly how quickly he hits the ground running on this show um, as Prime Cisco, but then he's you know fully formed as uh, as Mirror Cisco straight away. Yeah, and one other thing I want to mention, and this is something I thought was really cool. I very much appreciated that the Mirror Universe people basically knew that this incident happened a hundred years ago. So the basic, so like there wasn't a lot of like. There wasn't too much time spent on what's going on. There were this, the time was more spent on, okay, this is the mirror universe now, and how do we get out of here? And I, I just appreciated that because, I don't know, I don't always need, like, origin it, stories of things. <laughs> it, well, I think it was a really good use of exposition, actually. It was very yeah. efficient in that it didn't assume that you had seen the original right. series episode. And, it, and I... It just, explained it and yeah. then moved on yeah and i thought that was really good because in 1994 like it wasn't like you could just go on netflix or paramount plus and put on like the episode of tos before watching this which is something that we all could have all could do now and yeah. i think that having a little bit of explanation so that if you've seen it you'd rem be reminded and if you haven't seen it you're you're caught up i just thought that was really smart because otherwise people might have been lost and I don't appreciate that. I don't like when... I think it depends on the type of story. But for Star Trek, I don't feel like you should have to watch a whole series to be able to watch the next series. I just... I don't... I think that that would be shitty. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, the one you haven't got here is uh, is Mira Quark as well. Who's, oh, yeah. Uh, who's in really drab clothes um who's you know who's self-sacrificing and selfless and involved in an underground railroad road to smuggle terrans off the station oh, i think i had that in my notes and i accidentally put it in the wrong area oh, right. or, okay or deleted um, it or something oh no i, I did Kira, later kira says i can get you some gold press latinum and he's like gold press what yeah <laughs> latinum who yeah so. But again, like a completely different character, not um, uh, not just a, a arc quark in a different situation. Yeah, and I liked that Kira used her knowledge of Quark as a person because in manip kind of trying to manipulate him for her benefit in this universe, um, she knows flattery works on him, and. Um, I also liked that scene because it gave you me a glimpse. It gave I thought, oh, this might be a glimpse of what it was like when Kira was in the resistance. Like she would have to like try to trick people all the time, and it also 
we saw it a little bit earlier in the season in I think in the season premiere when she had to pretend to be that sex worker so that they can free Lee Nollis like I love I like watching her like kind of undercover and like putting on a show to like get what she wants because she's often very straightforward so it's fun to see like little bits of that yeah yeah she's great and she's also Nana's having so much fun being both yeah (laughs) I think so too Before we move on to our friends trying to um, get off of Tarek Noor and back to the art, the universe that um, that they are from, I just wanted to kind of call out. And while I think all of us might have agreed that this episode was not as horny as we were expecting, um, I and in a vacuum of this episode, it is a lot of fun to see like a queer coded Kira who is flirting with everyone. Um, But there are some historic problems in queer-coding villains, specifically taking LGBTQ plus stereotypes and putting them onto villains. It shows the audience that queer people are bad, weird, not to be trusted, and this is, that is not something that is true. So it's just, it's just a bad stereotype. Um, And some of it, and this is something that has happened in so many different stories. It's not... You know, it's not just for, for Star Trek. Um, one thing that comes to mind are the two um, henchmen in the James Bond film Diamonds Are Forever, Wint and Kid. And I remember I read the book about James Bond and the, I don't remember if it was the director or the writer of that movie, said something along the lines of, oh, they weren't bad because they were gay. They were just bad and they happened to be gay. And it just seemed like an extra thing to throw in to make them like, more abnormal in in this and it just i didn't i don't like that we also have um buffalo bill in silence of the lambs mm. uh you got um anthony perkins in psycho as well yeah the psycho call that is 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 good too especially like as it relates to like specifically like trans coded mm. characters which is like often like kind of the mishandling of that in, in silence of the lambs and i think silence of the lambs specifically is an interesting case to like to talk about and, and go in and if folks want to kind of get more into you know silence of the lambs through uh through a trans lens a couple of years ago the blank check podcast who are wildly more successful than us and don't don't need me so recommending far. So far. people check check them out so far so, Matt. Thank, for the stars. You, so far when they had their jonathan demi series they they covered science of the lambs and their guest was film critic um, Emily St. James, who was a, a founding member of the Trans Journalist Association and helped create the association's style guide as a, as a resource for, for journalists to more accurately write about transgender folks and, and trans issues. So definitely check out that podcast. I think it's it's pretty long, but definitely we're talking about specifically as it gets into to Silence of the Lambs. And I think, I mean, I love both Silence of the Lambs and, and Psycho to to be completely honest but i think almost that like as misguided as silence of the lambs is is at at times i think the ending of of psycho and where it's talked about is is probably even worse but uh yeah definitely worth worth checking that out and like we kind of alluded to it before i came into this episode ready to like 
for this episode to kind of be even more ham-fisted when it comes to queer coded equals evil because it's the evil universe sort of thing um in this episode and like it wasn't there as much as i was expecting or it, it comes later on where i think sometimes they take some of the subtext and make it explicitly text which in a matter of degrees is is probably worse um and yeah, like we were kind of talking about before, the differences in storytelling between modern TV and, and 90 syndicated TV. Part of what, in the Star Trek context, I think makes this so like difficult or disappointing is that until like recently until star trek discovery we really this is like a lot of the only queer subtext we even had i mean aside from garrick and which we've talked about before in deep space nine has been in the mirror universe or with like you say even garrick being that kind of morally ambiguous character so when that's like your only queer representation is queer equals at best morally ambiguous that uh that ain't great. Uh, yeah, the only thing I'd call out is they do do a very good thing with Dax. That is, yeah, we just haven't is, gotten. We there. haven't got there yet. Yeah, but um, uh, that's true. But, so, but you're right, right? The no one, no one's saying you can't have uh, queer villains. Uh, Be gay, do crime is a great T-shirt for for good reasons, <laughs> right? But but when it's the only representation, that's when when it when it falls. Yes, that's when we have the yeah. Problems. I also um, want to call out that there are a lot of the Disney villains are also um, queer coded, specifically the male villains that are portrayed like affection, aff- sorry, effeminately, like or have high pitched voice, or or even are wearing very drapey clothes that like might be clothes that people think women should be wearing. We don't believe that on this podcast. You can wear whatever you want. Um, but yeah, like. I feel like Scar specifically sticks out into my mind um, from The Lion King. Scar himself becomes drapey clothes in Hercules as well. So, okay. mm, True. <laughs> uh, no, you're and right. Like, yeah. Jeremy, and Jeremy Irons' was, performance there is not good. Yeah. Um, I'm now thinking about Jeremy Irons' performance in Die Hard with a Vengeance, which I recently watched. Also great. Um, there's an article I was reading about this and i'm sorry that i don't remember the name of it i but i will will reference it in our notes yeah 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 i mean uh yeah uh, yes it's shit <laughs> more more representation <laughs> better disco's done great work to, to step it forward uh i agree um that it wasn't as blatant um and it is a sort of it's more of a sort of pansexual sluttiness Rather than yes. like... which is something that I very much appreciate. In <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> in my life. But, but equally, you you kind of wonder. Well, partially, you couldn't do more on network TV, which is probably why there was a significant limitation in how much they pushed uh, Ikira. Yeah. But anyway. <clears throat> so. <laughs> Um, getting getting back to Tarek Noor, I couldn't think of a better way to transition than that. Um, <laughs> I was thinking when Kira obviously knew nothing about Kirk. Um, I was like, Kira was really lucky she got stranded in the mirror universe with someone who's aware of Kirk's transporter incident from a hundred years ago. <laughs> um, 
And then I was thinking, which course at Starfleet Academy would have taught about this incident? Would it have been politics or first contact? Or advanced transporter one <laughs> or something along those lines? Like, would it have been in, like, a like a first contact, like, we're meeting other species type of class? Or a trans, you know, like a technical transporter uh, <laughs> Class. Is is it an alternate timeline or is it a multiverse one? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's true. Um, uh, yeah, uh, advanced chaos theory um, episode. <laughs> Basically, is it politics, politics, engineering, or science? <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, I, I guess it's. I think it's probably history and politics, mm. uh, but probably O'Brien would have learnt the transporter side of it as well i don't think yeah. Bashir needs to know the transporter side i think he That's knows the history fair. yeah so it's probably taught in more than one course o'brien's told <laughs> don't do this bad <laughs> i wish my sister knew about star trek because she's an instructional designer and she would probably like help me know the answer to that <laughs> she also has never seen a star trek <clears throat> did anyone That's else all- that's almost impressive never to have seen any Star Trek. Yeah. Well, I can't remember if she was with us when we saw the Undiscovered Country in the theater. I I don't I can't imagine she was left home. Is really like so she might have like begrudgingly have seen it. In any case, <laughs> yeah. did either of you almost start singing Part of Your World from The Little Mermaid when Garrick said, "You're the perfect gift for the girl who has everything?" <laughs> uh, I didn't, but I will now. Um, I like legitimately almost started singing that, but I liked that um, after that conversation and Garrick told her his plan. She was like, "Okay, we need to piece out of here today." <laughs> yeah, it's not going well. Um, it's funny that she tries to go to Cisco for help, or you know, mirror Cisco for help, and he's very content with his situation. Um, he doesn't have it as bad as some of the other Terrans, and he doesn't want to think about them. This, this whole, I, I, I don't, do I, <laughs> never mind. I just, okay. uh, I don't know. It just made me think of people who just ignore the world around them, and that was very frustrating. Yeah. Yeah, it's selfish, right? He's, he's selfish, but that's the mirror universe. It's, um. yeah. Uh, you know yeah i didn't expect it to be moral or anything like that i mean it kind of is it's an indictment of selfishness so and and that kind of i guess again i haven't seen the whole of the of the uh, original series one but it it certainly comes up again and again in disco is the the you look after yourself you stab people in the back um you know so it is it's an inherent to the universe rather than um, and really, you know, again, the only person who's different is, um, you know, is a, is O'Brien, is our um, single point of uh, truth, our North yeah. Star. I should say when I said moral, I really should have said ethical, um, because I do think it's, like, ethically wrong to just watch people. Yes. Um, and morally, but I don't really, I don't really like discussing morals as, like, a thing. Anyway. <laughs> I mean, I Star Trek lends itself to a, to an inspection. I think um, I'm not sure right. I know. I'm not sure I personally know fully the difference between what's yeah. one and what's t'other. But I think um, that 
morality makes me think of religion and the way right. people talk about morals and i don't really want to be part of that conversation so it's a me thing that's fine fortunately religion never comes up again in star trek deep space Nine. <laughs> yeah. no there's definitely no not no religious themes there in this this show at all <laughs> <laughs> Um, I feel a little sad that O'Brien doesn't get to really... I mean, I think it works out for O'Brien fine. Not fine, but as fine as it could. But, like, when he says to Bashir that he wants to come with him and Kira, all I kept thinking about was um, Thomas Riker and how Starfleet managed to, like, figure out how to have two Rikers. And, of course, spoiler alert for Lower Decks, two Boimlers. Although that happened after this. Um... And I just, like, thought of the idea of having, like, two O'Briens. Like, for it to be, like, the generic white human man on each show is very funny to me. <laughs> like, of course it, it would be O'Brien if there was going to be someone duplicated. I like that Julian is immediately like, yes, of course. Like, there's, there's never yeah. a, there's no, like, a debate or, like, oh, well, yeah, but you can't come because of the whatever paradox that we agreed in politics of first contact 101 whatever it was um I, he's immediately <laughs> just like and I, I really actually like julian in this episode as much yeah, as annoying too. as he is in the beginning bit like he's actually really good under pressure he's got good composure he makes quick you know but de decisive and and oh good decisions. i completely agree um, and as a, as a bright, it's not a question for him. And again, he's a doctor, right? Like he sees a person suffering and he can stop the, he can diminish the suffering. That's what he wants to do. So yeah, I really, really liked his characterization in this episode. I think it, again, he's had a couple of these with Kira where actually his, whilst he's annoying in, <laughs> on the airplane flight, right? When they're in, a, you know, when they're in trouble, when they're in, in pressure, he actually is very good i i do like that man yeah he's he's competent in his job it kind of reminds me of um the mindy project and how she's like may she might be like a mess socially but she is a very good gynecologist <laughs> <laughs> i have not seen the mindy project oh uh, it's basically just um yeah mindy kaling, mindy kaling right? yeah. yeah and she's i think mindy kaling's mother was a gynecologist or is a gynecologist so it's like loosely based on her mom but also just like women in general i kind of feel like it's 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 good it's a show that took a couple years to get its footing though right um anyway <laughs> so we basically have this final scene where odo is been killed by julian which i think i actually missed that if that was something that we saw it's really weird like it he he just julian blows him up with a phaser like she just uh, shoots him and he no. just explodes into goo and i'm like oh. wait what <laughs> yeah i think that i missed that both times i watched it <laughs> um and she's kira you know mira kira says he was one of a kind and like you think that she's talking about like his species well, i mean she kind of is at first but then she's complaining about how no one kept the slaves as efficient as he did is basically she's, she's more upset about having to find a new efficient overseer than mirror odo actually being dead is how i took that and 
it was like this part of the episode is kind of where that they made that switch so that in, uh, intendant kira is kind of like okay well fuck you terrans now we're gonna i'm gonna be mean now but like i really think it was like under the i think it was definitely under the surface the whole time um but i also think she like was really trying not to be this way so that she i don't know maybe i've come around from what we were saying earlier that i, I mean it's not like like just pretending yeah i mean it's, it's degrees right like she's yeah. saying now i'm going to be mean i'm like you were keeping them as slaves and forcing them yeah to mine or, yeah like you weren't being yeah. nice to them no I, and she never was but like yeah. that but like she definitely was threading the needle on like teetering on the like edge of getting to getting to this more screamy point i guess um whether her although her actions in the rest of the episode have the same results there are still slaves people are still getting killed you know <clears throat> yeah it's um yeah but yeah you're right like her whole thing about odo is selfish her whole reaction is what does this mean for me Not, yeah uh, you know she doesn't really care about anyone um she's just you know yeah she she's selfish and and cruel and you know i'm gonna say it she's not a nice guy (laughs) why would you say something so true yet so bold i mean i'm i'm a very i'm a very brave boy (laughs) do you think that cisco changed his mind because his cushy position was threatened or because he started actually to change his mind Nope, I think he's as uh, selfish as all of the other mirror universe people. Yeah. I think he's just um he realizes that uh, well two two things. One, he doesn't really like working for Kira and he sees this as right. an opportunity to get away from it. And two, he can see that, you know, with this sort of rebellion, he's not gonna be allowed the semi privileged position that he had. Right. So I think he's I think he's looking after himself again. I did find that Mirror O'Brien going and joining his crew to be like a nicely wrapped bow so that while I don't think that Mirror Cisco is that great, I'd rather have Mirror Miles hooked up with him than with Kira. <laughs> like uh, Yeah, for sure. Oh, and he calls he him Smiley. Like yeah. I mean he, he definitely <laughs> is patronizing yeah, he's quite yeah. patronizing towards him. Um but yeah, I'm not quite sure why he chose to stay with Cisco rather than go back to um, to the Prime Universe. But I mean, other than it's... other than, it, so other than the show, pretend nothing <laughs> yeah, happened. Nothing happened. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay, I do know it's TV. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so they don't have to deal with it later. <laughs> Absolutely. Matt, do you have any other thoughts on how the episode wraps itself up? Not to put you on the spot. <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't think so. Like, I mean, it's it's like a fun, it's a fun romp, and like, I kind of wish we'd never come back to the mirror universe because, like, you know, has a nice like kind of bow on it, and I think it kind of has um, diminishing returns for me. But yeah, we'll we'll talk about that if and when any of those other fourteen episodes with the mirror universe are in Deep Space Nine. <laughs> I think that, that spoiler alert, they are. Um, not all of them, but some of them. Um, I think your comment on diminishing returns is true for me as well. And also is how I think we both felt in our conversations about Q when Q came over to Deep Space Nine. And I 
I enjoyed some of the Q episodes in Voyager, but I don't think any of them are as good as the original. Although I am enjoying Q again on Picard season two. Well, I think Q in deep, when he showed up on Deep Space Nine, it was a both a here's something familiar and a look how different we are. Yeah. Like it was it was a very unsure show making yeah, n- making yeah. decisions. Whereas to me, this is the example. This is and I mentioned earlier, like this is a confident show, deliberately choosing to uh to revisit something from the original series deliberately choosing to say hey what happened actually did not help um uh, a lot of people um it did you know you know it probably helped the bajorans yeah. but but didn't I help should, yeah human, i just want to i just want to clarify that for me the diminishing returns aren't yet I, they're after this like i love this episode and i do think it enhances the tos episode and that watching the tos episode again enhances this one i just meant like going forward but yeah uh, I, I would i would broadly agree on the deep space nine ones but i really like the disco ones is what i would say and i haven't seen the enterprise ones so like I I, enterprise ones it. are weird because I it's like they're not actually crossover episodes they're just episodes of enterprise that take place in the mirror universe Oh really? Okay, all right. That is yeah. Like yeah. you don't see how they got there or anything. No, it's just like you're watching like an alternate version of Enterprise because it's there in season four, right? Oh. So it's like there's like a two. It's like a two parter that like also kind of references an original series episode and is kind of a sequel in that way, but not to a mirror universe story. But it's like you're watching mirror universe enterprise like there's no crossover i i i kind of um it's funny i kind of forgot not for forgot's not the right word i wasn't really lumping in the discovery i keep like dissecting everything i'm saying um i wasn't (laughs) lumping the discovery mirror universes in my comments when i was saying them like in my mind because i think they use the mirror universe um very differently and i will not get into that at all so it just like i wasn't thinking about those i so, certainly would I agree I, diminishing returns yeah. for deep space nine um areas there are bits of them that i also like um again without getting into spoilers um right. but I, I i think broadly i agree with that and then different shows clearly use it differently and your mileage may vary on those mm-hmm. i'm not sure i've got too much more on the on the show it sort of wraps up by they get they they're they're um their way to get back into um, the prime universe is the most hand wavy. Uh, yeah, just like uh, we're at the same angle Go out and we've the still way got a plasma <laughs> <laughs> It's like, uh, okay, all right. Um, and right. then they kind of get back, and um, Cisco's like, naughty children, where have you been? <laughs> we've been worried sick. Oh, there's Dax. <laughs> and Dax, Dax shows up and your mother, your mother's been very bad. She hasn't eaten for days. <laughs> Matt, you want to introduce our segments? Sure. Well, we've been recording for about an hour now and, you know, I could, well, my time zone, use like a late lunch or pre-dinner snack and, and some Altair water thirst quencher. So Lazi, as the guest, will we'll put you on the spot and ask you to go first. Who are you thirsting for after this week? Uh... So I have three answers, but I will. I love that. 
<laughs> I'll focus on two because uh, one of them overlaps with uh, Elisa's and she can take it on. Uh, so firstly, um, Pirates Cisco is pretty hot. Um, and then secondly, Dirty Dirty Julian is also very hot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shocked too... by both of those. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's so out of character. But like, like Julian is normally so clean and twinky. And there yeah. are a few t- few times on the show when he's he's dirty, and you know I'm I'm entirely okay with that. <laughs> I love that. Well, Elise, what about you? Major Major Kira and Intendant Kira now kiss. <laughs> um, <laughs> Intendant Kira's whole vibe and outfit is just those pants are wonderful. Um, and okay, so Intendant Kira basically said. That she wanted a threesome with the two Ciscos. Um, I would love to watch that. I don't think our Cisco would be into it, though. So it probably wouldn't happen. Um, Cisco definitely seems like one of those people that would not fuck his clone. Um, this is something I feel really strongly about. That I 100% would fuck my clone. It's just something I just, I just know I would. Yeah, just to, so. just to see. It's just something be you like. believe in. I do. I, I. It is a hill I would die on. <laughs> I Look, don't we all, we all appreciate your. Though. We all appreciate your morals around that, uh, at least. Thank and you. I would, I would. I would join you in the same situation. I think I would be eth- Thank you. I would ethically be obligated to do this because it would just help. It would just benefit. My life would be better because of it. I'm sure. It, you know, um, it's it's for science. <laughs> Yes, exactly. And I just wanted to say, um, now having rewatched this, um, I wanted to make a note to myself to pick up, to re-pick up the um, TNG Deep Space Nine Voyager era Mirror Universe books that Matt lent me, where we get Intendant Kira. Um, but it's like very, there's a lot, of, a lot of fun politics things going on, and I need to get back into those novels, which whose names I can't remember. Wasn't it passion something? I mean, it sounds very sexy. It's like dark passions dark or passions, something like that. Yes. Yeah. Isn't um, passions the like soap that Spike watches in a crypt on Buffy or something? Probably because that was like an actual. Oh, it was an actual opera. thing. That was on, oh, right. I didn't yeah, know. passions was a real show. Uh, I never saw it, but I didn't know that it was in Buffy. So that is funny that that's how you know of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like. Kira, Kira also has a milk bath at one time. Oh and yeah, then, that like, milk she, bath was awesome. I loved it. She, she sends a dress for herself to get dressed in. Um, or for, so I Kira sends a dress for Prime Kira to get dressed in, which by Star Trek standards is a quite nice dress. I mean, it's not a high bar, I don't think. No, I don't think it's a high bar. Um, Matt, did you have anything to add to the thirst quenching? Uh, no, no, I think we, we, we covered it all this week. Um, Elise, we'll get you to start off. What's your candidate for a Star Trek thing? <laughs> the random dude who mentions the Dura sisters so that we know there are other merry versions of characters we enjoy. <laughs> it was just like a little <laughs> nod. Wink. <laughs> like, do you think they're, do you think they're nice? Do you think they're like, I mean, I, I want to know, know what the, the mirror universe Dura sisters are like. Is anyone is anyone nice in the mirror universe though? That's, That's like true. Quark. Oh, Quark is yeah, you're right. Okay, fine. And Smiley, Miles Edward O'Brien, the Nexus. <laughs> yes. Um, I don't, I, I don't know that they would be nice, but maybe they would be helpful. I don't know. 
They'd be really good cooks or something. They'd be they would be running the Klingon restaurant in another space. Uh, I love that. <laughs> it's so like out of character. They would need I just feel like now I'm picturing them wearing hairnets. This is <laughs> <laughs> That's a great image. Uh, Lazi, what's your most Star Trek thing? So uh, my most Star Trek thing, and because it's a mirror episode, is a least Star Trek thing. So I think, uh, and I touched on this earlier, I think this is, you know, this is where you've got, this whole run is where you start doing things that you don't see in Star Trek before that. You don't get like the whole... The problem is Earth, like Cisco's speech in in the Marquis, where they say, you know, it's easy to be a saint in paradise, and and the Marquis don't live there. Um, you've got, you know, the espionage and torture stuff, and you get a little bit of that um, in in Next Gen, but the the sort of the way that Garrick plays that character so differently in the Wire, and then here you've got, you know, as we touched on a few times, the failure of 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 Kirk's influence on the mirror universe, and you get you know, start starting to touch on sexuality um, rather than just, you know, random random comings together that previously happened. Um, and, you know, as, as we said, it's not perfect and it's certainly problematic in many ways, but it's not the only case. And, and they start, start opening up into it. Um, and my final least Star Trek thing is um, they shoot a door and it shuts. And that's not Star Trek. That's Star Wars. That's what. <laughs> mm, that is fair. I like that. I like that you went with least Star Trek things for this episode. It makes me very happy. <laughs> it's possible. I don't know, and I'm not sure. It's possible I'm a massive dork. <laughs> I mean, I definitely know that that is true. <laughs> How about you, Matt? I think probably the most like Deep Space Nine thing is that in revisiting a very like you know. Like we kind of talked about revisiting the original series episode and doing a, a sequel to like, and they lived hap and showing that the and they lived happily ever after ending of TOS wasn't so happily ever after. That's probably like the most like DS Nine yeah. thing for me. But yeah, I can see that. Awesome. Well, Lazi, thank you so much for for coming back. This has been a blast. And uh, until in the the meantime, between your your next appearance, this and your next appearance, where can folks find more of you on the internet? Um, I'm at Dirty Doctor Bashir, or no, I'm at uh, Me. <laughs> <laughs> Please make at... that side. <laughs> I assume it's an Instagram with pictures. <laughs> I, if if I had more time on my hands, I would definitely do an alt <laughs> Twitter account, which was dirty. <laughs> um, uh, maybe I will. Uh, but anyway, yes, I'm at Mean Englishman on Twitter. Elise, what about you? You can catch me on Twitter and Letterbox at Elise underscore Tendi E L Y S E underscore T N D I. And you, Matt. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd as well at at Mattyhugh, M-A-T-T-Y-H-U-G-H. You can also catch me talking about Mad Men on my Mad Men podcast, Still Great Bob. And you can catch Elise and I together on Twitter and Instagram at PodRace. And also, please feel free to email us at PodRace at gmail.com. Please remember to rate and review us on the podcatching system of your choice. And thank you again to DJ Empirical for our interstellar theme song. Until next time, computer and program. Bye. Bye.